You know, the point that Paul is making, Colossians 2, is that Jesus is sufficient. I mean, he in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And um, he in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. In him you're, you've been made complete. Uh, so everything you need is in Jesus. And we must beware that we're not led astray by human philosophies and whatever else comes along because you can't, uh, you can't add something to Jesus and it be a positive uh, transaction. You know, any addition is uh, taking you downhill. Uh, so there were some things that the false teachers in Colossae were trying to add and we see some emphasis on that in this section. So, uh, Colossians 2, verses 16 to 23. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink, or in respect to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you are living in the world, do you submit yourself to such decrees as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use, in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men? These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. I take it that the false teachers were trying to get them to follow some of the law, the Jewish practices, because he says here not to let anyone judge them about food and drink. I'm assuming we're talking about the food and drink laws uh, that were obsolete. Jesus declared all foods clean in Mark 7. In Acts 10, the sheet vision with Peter shows the same thing in various other passages. So they shouldn't let people tell them they have to uh, avoid pork or whatever. Um, And not to judge them about a festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath day. Um, Those would be Jewish special days. The Sabbath day occurred how often? And the new moon, and the festivals, once a year. Yeah, I think that's the that's he's doing annual, monthly, and and weekly. There are actually several passages in the Old Testament that have a similar list like that, with that kind of a frequency idea. Uh, it's kind of how they looked at their special uh, special times. Well, we're not under those laws. You know, we're not. We shouldn't make have somebody make us keep the Passover or the the new moons or, uh, you know, whatever. Because all of that, according to verse 17, was the shadow. Jesus is the reality. You know, once that we've got the substance that belongs to Christ, why go after the shadow? You know, the shadow's kind of uh, much less uh, serious than having the real thing. Um, This is a passage that's really uh, helpful in discussions with those who believe you have to keep the Sabbath law today. Like Seventh-day Adventists and the Worldwide Church of God, you know, the Armstrong's outfit and, and some things like that. And uh, this is really an ungetoverable passage. But they tried to get over it anyway. And 
the most common argument I've heard on their side, because this is really powerful, is to say the Sabbaths here are not the weekly Sabbaths, but there were Sabbath days in the feast days. For example, the first and last day of the Passover week was a Sabbath, and the Pentecost day was a Sabbath, and uh, so forth and so on. There were seven special days in their calendar that were Sabbath days along with the weekly Sabbaths. And so they try to argue that he's only talking about those. But he doesn't say he's only talking about those, and by the analogy of annual, monthly, and weekly, it's unlikely that he's even considering those. They're probably covered under the festivals, really. Uh, But to say the Sabbath doesn't include the weekly Sabbath is to exclude the main Sabbath from the list. There's no reason to do that. Uh, no reason to think that. Jesus is actually the fulfillment of the Sabbath day. He's the one that provides our true rest. You know, the weekly rest was just a foreshadowing of the ultimate rest we have in Jesus. So, uh, we don't go back to the shadow now that we have the Lord. Thoughts and comments on uh, 16 and 17. Well, here's some other things they seem to have been uh, doing. They uh, were defrauding them of their prize by delighting in self-abasement. I'm assuming we're dealing with, like, ascetic kinds of practices, like, you know, depriving themselves of certain lawful things, thinking that they got to be more spiritual by doing that. Kind of the monk in the Middle Ages kind of an idea, you know, eat bread and water and look at the wall and then you won't sin, or whatever. (laughs) Doesn't usually work. Uh, but, you know, that's what they tried. Uh, and, and often kind of an elitist idea. If we add extra rules, then we're really more spiritual. You're, we're more humble. You know, we, we humble ourselves in a very uh, self-advertising, self-conscious way. Uh, and really it becomes more a matter of pride than humility. You see that. People, people who, uh, you know, pride themselves in how humble they are, you know, are probably not being very uh, accurate. Uh, and, and so these things can be a badge of honor. Look what I do. Uh, to, uh, and the worship of the angels, evidently, there was angel worship. You may notice that earlier, we haven't really talked about this so much, but earlier in Colossians, you have several statements of Jesus' superiority to like the principalities and the powers. Like in one sixteen, he created all of them, the thrones and dominions, rulers and authorities. And... Uh, in uh, 120, uh, everything that's reconciled, whether on earth or the things in heaven, are reconciled by its blood. And, uh, and then in 215, where he had disarmed the rulers and authorities and triumphed over them in the cross. So, you know, that seems to have been a problem. They, them worshiping angels. Taking his stands on visions he's seen. You know... <sighs> Things like visions are easy to fake. Because who else has seen them? By definition, you are the only one that saw it. And so people can uh, draw it, get attention for themselves and kind of claim superiority. Look, I had this vision. You should have seen what I saw. But it's, it's, it's bogus. Um, and uh, he says that inflated without cause by his fleshly mind... Really, they have this superior attitude. There's no real basis for it. It's it's empty, but but they they you know they they're swollen. You know, there's growth and they're swelling. They're swolled, <laughs> swelled, whatever. 
but they're not really substantially stronger. And not holding fast to the head. That's what we need. The solution to all these false teachings and all these false ways of, you know, getting more spiritual is to get close to the head. You know, I mean, what happens to a body that becomes dislocated from the head? Probably not a helpful uh, thing for bodily uh, longevity. You know, we need to be as close to the head as we can be. You know, the growth needs to come from God. That the only growth we can get from God is by being connected with Jesus and, and turning to Him. You know, not trying to invent our own rules and, and things like that, but, but following the Lord's rules. It's amazing how much effort there is to invent rules. You know, because we can be more spiritual if we add our own rules. And and it's, it's just mind-blowing when you think about, that's what the Pharisees did. You know, they tried to add rules to get closer to God. And that's what these guys were doing, and people do it today as well. You know, one thus says the Lord is worth a ton of human thoughts and ideas. And then you know, he says, if you've died with Christ of the elementary principles of the world, why are you still obeying these decrees? And, and he kind of caricatures what they were listening to. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. You know, can, can do this, can do that, can do the other thing. But he says, these are things that are talking about just things that are about to perish. I mean, they're just restricting you from perishable things that don't matter. In accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. You know, all these restrictions men put on things that God hasn't, again, they don't make you more spiritual. If God wanted it forbidden, he'd have forbidden it. If God wanted it ruled about, he'd have made the rule. Who are we to make rules God didn't make, thinking, well, I'll really be closer to God and be more spiritual with this one. Well, if he didn't think it was good enough to make the rule, how do what, what makes us think it's going to help us? These things don't really bring us closer to God. He says they have to be sure the appearance of wisdom. They look wise in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body. So you, we're again seeing this ascetic stuff, this denying yourself lawful pleasures just to be more righteous. You know, if I don't do this, I'll be closer to God. And he says, but they are no, of no value against fleshly indulgence. That's really interesting, isn't it? You know, all these taboos uh, of theirs didn't really help them even with fighting off the flesh. You know, when you just follow some kind of earthly restriction, is it will, does it really help you be less, you know, attracted to fleshly sins? I mean, you think about, does, does telling Catholic priests they can't marry really make them uh, more sexually pure? Well, it hasn't seemed to do it with some of them anyway. You know, I mean, just, just coming up with some rule doesn't actually help you in fighting off sin. If it's not God's rule. So they were just filled with these, you know, all these rules trying to make them more spiritual, more elite, closer to God. And he says it's all, it's all you know, un, un, unuseful. It's not useful. It's, it's uh, of no value in really getting closer to God or in fighting off sin or whatever. We've got to see that the Lord is adequate. Comments or thoughts? On this idea. Going back to verse 16. Yeah. What's it mean about no one to act as your judge? 
I think he's saying, don't let anybody judge you. That is, don't let anybody tell you you have to do these things. You know, and, and tell you you're wrong if you don't. The judge would pass on the right or wrongness of something, so they act as your judge. If they're telling you, like a judge would, no, you've got to keep this, you've got to keep that, you've got to keep something else. Don't let them judge you for what you eat or drink or whether or not you keep these special old holidays. He does that stuff a lot. I mean, you know, then you've got it in verse 18, let no one keep defrauding you. But he's, And he had it back in uh, 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive. So he, he's, he's talking about the false teachers. And, but instead of giving names, he's saying, just don't let anybody tell you this, don't let anybody do that. Basically, don't let anybody lead you away from the Lord following after their own ideas. It's amazing to me in Brazil. I think we have this here. It's just always easier to see it somewhere else. But uh, I should get this sometime. If I can ever find it again, this would be really interesting reading. There was a, uh, a couple, there was a brother and sister that were converted in the church when I, I lived there, in the church that I was a part of, who had been a part of a very small little Pentecostal church. Small, I say, I think there were only maybe four or five congregations of this brand. It was something somebody would started. It was like the Church of God in an army or something. I don't remember, something like that. I mean, the army or I don't know. Uh, they always come up with some really interesting names. But, but they gave me their creed. It's probably, you know, single-space typewritten on legal paper, maybe 10-page creed. And, uh, wow, fascinating. You know, you, because you always think, okay, it, it, you know, a creed theoretically is giving, like, your special things you emphasize and, like, what you really think you, the gospel boils down to, I guess. Oh, my. Just crazy. You know, because all these rules and regulations, especially about what women could do and not do, what women could wear and not wear how and if they could ride a horse and all kinds of things like that. <laughs> just a bunch of just bizarre stuff. I mean, almost nothing related to spirituality. Or, or this one. One of the larger Pentecostal churches in Brazil, I don't know if they still do it, but when I lived there, somebody gave them, they had a deal, um, uh, it's the church, uh, God is Love is what the name of this church is, but it's big, it's all over Brazil. But but they have a little, you have to like, I believe you had to attend 40 times before you could be a member. So they had a little thing, a little card, like you'd punch it for each time, <laughs> you know, until you got 40 punches and then you could become a member. But on the back of this little card, there was uh, kind of, you know, I guess the points to remember. They had four points, you know, and you're thinking, okay, so what are the four points that would be the most important things to put on the back of that card? See if I can remember them. You know, I believe it was, you can't watch TV. Women can't wear slacks. Women can't cut their hair. And you should read this every day. Those were the four. Yeah, you should read those, the, that creep. What if I just memorized? <laughs> yeah, I mean, of all things. I'm thinking, well, okay, maybe you could argue some of those points somehow. But really? Those are the four biggies? <laughs> I mean, wow. The women have a whole lot more to do than oh, men. Oh, yes, very much over there in those things. And this was the church where when you saw these people in very, very old threadbare suit coats 
and they looked extremely emaciated on Sunday morning. You know they were going there because they fast constantly, and and they wear the they don't have money, but they they have to wear suits, so they find these just old raggedy suits. And so I mean, almost always you see somebody like that, and that was from that church. Yeah, but there's Pentecostal group. I mean, Pentecostal is a broad category, but yeah. Christ Jesus didn't mention those when he was asked which is the greatest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But but that is the mentality of, of this kind of a thing. You completely lose your focus on what matters. And what matters becomes that food law, you know, that Sabbath day, you know, some kind of a legalistic, ascetic rule this will really purify you if you'll do this one. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And and people will do that. And just come up with things that don't help at all. But they make you seem more spiritual. And and often they set you above other people. You know, how often do you fast? You know, or, uh, you know, other things like that. That, you know, I would, I've never done this. You know, I uh, mean... You know, they in, in several Brazilian churches, and at least when I lived there, and some since then for sure. You know, I mean, one of the debated things was whether a woman could go to heaven if she trimmed her hair. You know, <laughs> certainly. I, I mean, that was that was a big deal. In fact, I believe one of the guys told me that there was a, a famous preacher that was going around these assemblies of God, you know, giving his speech and. And he, he was, you know, Peter or somebody revealed to him that I, I think they couldn't if they trimmed their hair. Uh, you know, but things like that are like, really? I mean, that's what spirituality consists of? Whether or not you trim your hair? You know, we, we completely lose focus. It's like, did God ever say that? You know, so what makes you think that? So that that's what was going on in Colossians. In Colossians, whatever. Other thoughts are kind of off the track there. But. It's just so much easier to wrap your mind around, though. You know, yeah. in rea- reality, you know, we're justified by grace through faith, and it's not about doing things perfectly, but about growing and loving, and like, you know, that's that's hard, but, you know, don't do this list of things. Well, I can, I can measure myself by that, and, you know, sometimes they're easy things. And, and sometimes they're not, but they make you superior. They're your way of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. I've earned this. You know, I denied myself this and I did that. And so I think there's a lot of just that superiority. There's a lot of elitism in a lot of false teachings. And you're exactly right. I mean, it is still easier to keep a rule than it is to love the Lord. <laughs> and, you know, it's just a temptation for us to proliferate the rules and, and you know, to leave the Lord. Because, I mean, you know, it's, it is easier and it does make, it, it really makes you feel more secure. You know, so how, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I never watched TV, I didn't trim my hair, and I never wore pants, you know. I got it. And I read this card every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just say it cut their hair before they came. I don't know if there's a chance for them or not. I'm not sure if there was any special exemption in that case or... <laughs> I mean, but but from their standpoint, those things are serious, you know. And, and I mean, think about it. think about how the Pharisees were about their rules and how they looked at Jesus. I mean, they were outraged. He ate without washing his hands. <laughs> you know, whoa! You think 
that's all they could find out? You know, I mean, they're serious about that? They were serious about that. Well, this leads us then to how should we live? You know, kind of in a more positive way. What is it that the Lord wants from us? You know, he has said in verse uh, 20 that we've died with Christ. Now in chapter 3, verse 1, we've been raised up with Christ. Having been raised up with him, here's the lifestyle for us. And uh, so, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. 